Welcome to the Mad Men Happy Hour, the officially unofficial podcast for AMC's Mad Men. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this podcasting thing might be more trouble than it's worth, Aaron. Oh, fuck. I was going to get that joke. Nope, I took it from you. Bald Move Podcast. It <laughs> might be more trouble than it's worth. Uh, what'd you think of this episode, Lady Lazarus? Brilliant. Uh, step up from last week. Brilliant. Yep. Wow. I thought that there is so many layers and layers and layers of meaning in, in this particular episode. I'll be honest, the first time I watched uh, half of it, I've only seen it one and a half times. I watched the first half and I thought, eh, this episode might not be for me. I got to the part where Pete made the weird decision to go into that lady's house, into Beth's house. And I was like, ooh, that seems out of nowhere and strange. Mm. But uh, the second time around, I liked it a lot better. Okay. Not brilliant, but good. Okay. Good. Uh, All right, why don't we get into the recap? First scene is how uh, before we do that, I just oh. want to shout out a couple listeners of buying some relatively big ticket items on Amazon. Oh, thank you. A guy brought bought a laptop and Ferrari. Ferrari. That uh, <laughs> it's uh, too bad the Amazon capped uh, bit us in the ass there, but uh, <laughs> no, we really appreciate that. And uh, whoever you are, you will probably be one tenth of our total donations for this month. <laughs> so thank you uh, so much for that. And we also have. Another donation op- or another funding option we'll talk at the end of the cast. Oh, okay. For those of you that had a problem sure with Amazon. All right, now on to the recap. On to the recap. Uh, first scene, Howard Dawes, who is uh, Pete's travel buddy, tries to sell him on life insurance. Tells him uh, also that he's having an affair. He's got an apartment downtown Manhattan, uh, and he's taking the 705 home instead of the 525. He's actually taking the apartment, uh, not coming home to the city home. <laughs> yeah, he takes that option later. Uh, so a couple things. Yeah. What do you think about the life insurance policy that covers suicide after two years? Interesting. Well, this ties right into the name of the episode, right? Lady Lazarus. Uh, for those who don't know, I had to look this up myself cause I didn't know. Uh, Lady Lazarus is a poem by, uh, Cynthia Plath. I Plath, think is how yep. you say it. Uh, there's a TH there. Um, and it basically talks about, her dealing with her suicidal tendencies and not overcoming them, but kind of being reborn after each attempt at suicide. I mean, there's a lot. Certainly there's a lot of stuff layered in there, but that's kind of the overall theme of the poem that I got. Right. Um, the other thing, I mean, there's, there's a little bit there about, um, and we had a, a listener on Facebook, uh, Gil wall, uh, who studied, uh, Sylvia's work and, and oh. I think wrote some papers on it. There's took a class in college and uh, there's a lot of ways, of different, lots of different ways to look at that. I said Cynthia earlier. People are going to roast me alive for that. Oh shit. Maybe it's it is Sylvia. Cynthia. No, I think it's Sylvia. I think you're uh, right. <laughs> yes, it is. God damn it. <laughs> I, that's, that's, that's my move, man. Yeah. I I'm know. the only one allowed to fuck up shit like that. Anyway, uh, there's a couple things where it seems like she might be a Holocaust survivor and you know, it's like, 
there's a couple. Yeah, she certainly uses the Holocaust to describe her situation. She says like once per de- once per decade she dies. Like she mm-hmm. had a near death experience at ten, and then she had suicide attempt at twenty, and then there's this. And she was gonna do it again at thirty, basically. Right. So there's a lot. In fact, Seppenwall was talking about on his podcast today that before he saw the episode, when he heard that it was Lady Lazarus, he assumed it was going to be something all about Ginsburg. Uh, because yeah. of all the heavy Holocaust imagery. Uh-huh. Um, but I thought that definitely the suicide motif spoke to me, especially after seeing the episode. And it's also talking about, as you say, kind of like almost feminine empowerment. Because the last lines of the poem are, you know, out of the ash, I rise with my red hair and I eat men like air. Mm-hmm. Like that she's almost uh, like a conquering phoenix a little bit. Uh, yeah. So interesting to see how that portrays or how that plays into like megan's arc definitely and beth's arc yeah it's the first thing i thought of when i learned what that title meant is oh megan okay Okay. that makes sense um but i'm not quite sure how it applies to pete here uh, even though he's the one mentioning suicide i thought it was interesting that pete knows that his policy covers suicide and at what point it does Mm -hmm. two years into it it covers suicide so he's thinking about his life insurance policy covering suicide, at the very least. Right. Weird. Especially with the depression that he's Well, been did you lately. notice what book he was reading? No, I didn't. He's reading a book uh, by Thomas, I think it's called, Pin- Pinchon, uh, called The Crying of Lot 49. You're going to get some shit for that pronunciation. I don't care. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I'm sure it wasn't right. <laughs> uh, so this book was written in 1966. So it's a contemporary book that you know Pete's reading on the subway, a work okay. of fiction, one of... Uh, um, a notable example of postmodern fiction. And I, I was just reading some of the plot synopsis and it seems kind of uh, like a, a trippy book because like the main hero, uh, her psychiatrist prescribes him taking her taking LSD oh. and her husband hmm. takes LSD and it turns him almost into like a, a, a someone that she can't even relate to. Like he tries to talk to her about music and love and how beautiful it is. And she ends up crying because she can't, relate to his point of view and she refuses to take the acid and hmm. um we certainly see pete uh struggling to comprehend what roger's doing this episode right right so and uh, there's a one other thing i i read this article and i took notes and then somehow i lost them there's one other plot point that was of, of interest but you might want to check out the wiki article if you know you're like me and you have time to read it but i thought that was Again, the show's so smart in how it constructs all these just casual illusions mm-hmm. to build the mood and the theme of the episode. Yeah, definitely. One other thing before we moved on is if you didn't notice, uh, looking out through the train windows, we see that the leaves on the trees have changed color. Oh, so that gives us a clue. Okay. There's several clues that tell us what the timeline is, but it's looking so far like autumn. Wow. So it has We moved jumped up forward quite a, a couple months. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, the, the other thing about that is they're getting closer to 1967 because, uh, I found out that that is the year that Cool Whip was debuted. Cool Whip? (laughs) Cool Whip, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, that's the year that that came out. So we know that they're kind of trying to develop the initial campaign. It's on the test kitchen right now. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on. In the next scene, Megan gets, uh, basically a call from someone for her old name. Right. Um, and Jack Shapiro calling for Megan Calvey, I think is her name. Yeah. 
And then Ginsburg pitches the <clears throat> Chevalier Blanc. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you say it. Did you look up at that product at all? No, I didn't. I Actually, assume it's a cologne of some sort. Or I, yeah, that's what it sounded like, perfume. but I found a whole bunch of, like, it just looks like there's wines and a bunch of other stuff. It was, I couldn't find out exactly what product they're talking about. Hmm. But I thought the the main note was that Ginsburg, it reinforced him as being a rising star. Yeah. And also, I thought it's interesting to compare the reaction to this guy uh, who obviously was, you know, everyone knew he was gay. Yeah. To Saul's experience just a few years earlier. Yeah. Where, you know, a guy just as flamboyant got ran out of the business and, you know, lots of pre- uh, prejudice. And now this guy, first you had the guy from Europe. I forget what his name. He was one of the junior creative guys. And he was openly gay. He helped Peggy with her hair. Chopped off. <laughs> Do you remember that episode? No, no. Uh, and you know, people talked about behind her back and now they're, it's kind of like something that Stan makes stupid jokes about, Mm -hmm. but this guy obviously is in a powerful place in business and he openly gives Don the eyes, man. Oh yeah, totally. Bedroom eyes. Yeah. But she's Don Draper. I mean, sure. Every guy loves Don Draper. I've looked at John Hamm at least once like that. Oh no. no. Uh, I'm getting weird googly eyes right now, folks. (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah, it's certainly becoming more commonplace, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are noticing it more in the 60s than they did in the early 60s. Right. Um, the the other thing about Ginsburg, I mean, he may be a rising star, but later in the episode, Don basically slams him and says, they delivered that pitch to you. Uh, you didn't have to come up with that. Or I don't know if it's Don, it might be Peggy. No, it's Don. But, he said okay. it's their idea, but I think that's just Don. But it's not just the song. They handed him everything. They said, this is what we want. But he did execute, and he sold it, and sure, he, yeah. that was a triumphant moment, and Don kind of, I feel like he uh, uh, peated him a little bit. Yeah. You know, belittled the, the genuine success that he had. Or maybe Don rogered him a little bit, and that's, <laughs> uh, he was trying to minimize his contributions and, and kind of keep him a little bit under under wraps. Okay. Tried to Pete Campbell him? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. The other thing here is that Don tells the guys that he's going to ask Megan about the music. Like he mm. like he values their opinion less than Megan's, uh, and I don't know if that's because they're older than Megan or if it's just because he's playing favorites here. Well, I just think that Megan, this is establishing her as Don's go-to touchstone for what's current and hep mm-hmm. right now, yeah. and the guys did not like it. No, not at all. They both were like bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and this could be establishing. Um, they could be establishing that for the reasons of her leaving later and him kind of being devastated by that. I mean, he really didn't want her to leave this this uh, firm when she right. did at the end. Um, so I wonder oh, if that's for sure. Gonna, I wonder if Don. We've seen him getting in trouble for not performing as well lately. Uh, I wonder if he kind of needed Megan in the position she was in mm-hmm. to make himself look better as well. Yeah, I, I think that. You know, somehow he's relied on her to keep his him him to stay current relevant. and to stay yeah. relevant exactly, and to keep him inspired. Mm-hmm. So we might be getting a little ahead of ourselves. Yeah, I think so. sorry. So. <laughs> uh, so then Roger tells Pete that the head of the head ski company, weird name for a ski company, requested him specifically for this contract, <laughs> uh, and he gives him. I didn't think anything of it because I'm a skier, so they're still a brand alive and kicking. Are they? I, yeah. I don't ski, so I thought it was weird. Uh, 
uh, Pete's wondering what's up here. He he gives he offers him both sets, but he only expects him to take one. But Pete, being the asshole that he is, takes both sets of skis. And I kind of feel like this was a social experiment Roger set up. <laughs> you think so? Like I'm going to have both, and I'm going to offer like him a little more creatively lately. I'm going to offer him the skis, and I, I'm going to see what he does. And yeah. there was a commenter on Alan Seppenwall's blog that had a fantastic take about this. He said, hmm. um, I love the scene between Roger and Pete with the skis. Roger tells Pete to choose which skis he wants or to take them both. In typical, typical Pete fashion, he wants everything. Whether it's two sets of skis, he doesn't need two lovers or a bigger office, and he carries it all in the same clumsy way he carried those skis out the door. Yeah. That's beautiful. That is. That, that really rings true for Pete's character right now. Because he, I mean, he doesn't, he, he doesn't do this all gracefully. He is not able to no. kind of do all these, play all these worlds and, and do all this and carry it off like Don can. Mm-hmm. Or, and even Don, you guys are debatable how successful he was at it, so. Yeah, he puts on a pretty good show in front of people for the most part. I mean, when he's talking to um, Howard on the train, he seems very chipper and he seems very happy. But then you get him alone in his car, and he feels horrible. He mm-hmm. hates himself. The other thing I've uncovered in my ranging across the internet yesterday was that the the actor who played Pete's dad mm-hmm. died in a skiing accident. Oh. Which they cast as a fictional death in American Airlines crash. So do you think that that – surely that wasn't some kind of – God, I hope not. Yeah, that weird homage little, to him. A little weird. But it's yeah. also strangely specific. Sure, a ski sure. account. I feel like this is a setup from Roger. I mean, maybe he does just want to see what kind of person Pete is here, but he mentions this contract in Lutherville, Maryland, like very specific on where it's from. Plus, he's like, I had, I was, I was setting these guys up and doing my Roger thing, entertaining them, and they specifically requested for you. Yeah. And Roger gave every appearance of being okay with that, mm-hmm. which. Okay, some people are saying, well, that's just acid giving him new uh, zen. But I don't know because I feel like that what he said last week about what the trip insight gave to him is that he's been given everything and that he needs to actually go out and try and see if he can earn it by himself. Mm -hmm. And in this episode, he's basically completely 180-ing that and saying, Mm -hmm. this is what I've always wanted, to have you guys bring into business and me sit back and do nothing. And at the Which of those is true? It's a good question. And at the end of that scene, doesn't he say something where Pete's trying to carry the skis out, both sets, and he's like, and I got to see that. Right. I don't know if that's like, oh, that was funny to watch him carry both sets out, or if he's judging who Pete is here. I feel like there's no freaking way, unless he has learned, unless the trip was just bullshit and Mm -hmm. he didn't learn anything from it it doesn't feel like that though yes Uh, i feel like that he is setting pete up for something (laughs) me too that was my initial reaction was this is a setup and and see that's the thing i'm wondering if some of these death uh, allegories are just Mm -hmm. that they're allusions to like career suicide Uh or you know the the death of a former way, or maybe the death of a marriage, or something mm, along attitude, like, or like maybe Pete will lose everything but his life because yeah, you know again the Tibetan Book of the Dead is not about death so much it's 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 more spiritual so it's like some of these things are almost illustrations of death or like underscoring could be seen as a completely symbolic way yeah so mm-hmm. basically what Wiener's got us saying here 
is anything and nothing can happen. <laughs> yeah. It's, to anyone no or no idea. one. Definitely. <laughs> you bastard. Uh, so the next scene is Don and Megan in his office. And he's asking her when music became so important. He's very, feeling very irrelevant here. Um, and Megan promises that she's going to meet him at home later on. And there's like a lot of weird reactions. Like, so mm-hmm. you've got the surface reaction, which is like big smiles and then yep. a beat. Like someone turns their back and like this face to sit like stone faces. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel like I got the impression that this is the beginning of maybe a downfall for Don. I mean, he has been leaning heavily on Megan, especially for that Heinz pitch. Um, he hasn't been doing his job. And now we see that he's getting more and more relevant in this culture. How is he going to relate to the masses? You know, he said he doesn't know what's going on out there. Right. So he could be slipping. Well, I'm going to uh, later on talk about this, a season one quote he had where he uh-huh. say, he dismisses love as saying that's just something guys like us invent to sell nylons. Yeah. Well, what if you no longer know? So that's all a symbolic language. If you yeah. lose your grasp on what speaks to people today, mm-hmm. uh, what kind of admin are you going to be? Certainly not the one that's like supernaturally successful the way Don is. Definitely. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, moving on. Pete and Megan then pass Peggy as they're leaving. Uh, Peggy's kind of worried about her project not being exactly right, but then she looks at it and says, oh, yeah, it's right. What's Peggy's deal lately? She's She's so obsessive about... Whether or not this stuff is perfect, even when she knows it is. Um, is it her confidence is shaken by the Heinz thing? Is that what's going on here? No, I don't know. I mean, this is kind of... I feel like Betty... As much as we talk about Pete becoming Don, I feel like Peggy in a lot of ways... I just said Betty. Uh, Peggy in a lot of ways mm. is becoming Don. Because Don used to have these things. Like you're just several many of the scenes of him pouring over notes in bed. Yeah. Like with Betty. And saying, well, it's right, but it's all wrong. And just sweating the details and trying to get to the underlying truth of yeah, what's going on here. Certainly. Plus, uh, also, Pete, <laughs> such a douchebag, uh, because she said, oh, we got a gift from a client? That's promising. And he corrects mm-hmm. her, I got a gift. Yeah. Like, what an asshole. <laughs> yeah. No need for that. Uh, all right. So then, speaking of Pete, he, in the next scene, gives Beth a ride home. Uh they kind of meet up in the parking lot at the train station, I guess, mm-hmm. where they, where she was going to be to pick up her husband. Uh, and they ride home. They talk about some stuff. I don't remember. Uh, so he, Pete's an awful driver. He yeah, ran a stop sign. He did. Because he uh, just learned. One thing that's kind of, uh, I think, thematic is to talk about the hobos and panhandlers. Oh, yeah. Uh, where she's like, you know, I can't resist making eye contact with them, giving them money, and then I can't stop thinking about them. And Pete comes back with, I think we're supposed to get used to not seeing them. And she's like, yep, uh, that's exactly what uh, we're supposed to do. And I feel like that informs the interaction between Pete and her, that Pete is the homeless man. He's the beggar, Hmm. the panhandler that's wanting some morsel from her. And she initially notices, makes eye contact, gives them money, Mm -hmm. but they won't go away. And And she can't can't stop stop thinking thinking about them. A little heart on the window later on. Which I've got a lot. I've got a lot to say. Yeah, is that (laughs) is that because then she rolls. Yeah, okay, we'll talk Uh about that later. Yeah. Um, So Don calls Peggy up to see where Megan is. Oh, by the Uh, way, yeah. Did you did you recognize 
Did you recognize uh, Beth? No. She's uh, Alexis Bedell, Bedell, uh, who played uh, the younger Lorelai Gilmore, Rory, on the Gilmore Girls. Did you ever watch that show? Uh, It's a little before my time, man. No, it wasn't. (laughs) Yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. I wasn't watching that shit when I was a kid. It was... no, it's, oh no no! I'm thinking of uh, the other girl, Golden Girls. No, Jesus! I wouldn't no, have no, been no. the Golden Girls. No, fuck although no, I didn't watch the Gilmore Girls. Get out of here! Really? No. It's it's a really good show. Oh, you're the fine, dialogue right? was fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, I bet it was. So, what did you think of? This? I just curious because a lot mm. of people were panning her performance. What do you think? Oh, I thought it was good. She seemed very desperate, um, very dissatisfied. Uh, did you I think know, she I was very it. Betty? Um, maybe I read somewhere that her, the kind of decor of her house and what she wore and stuff and her demeanor was kind of Betty like, but I didn't really pick up on that while I was watching it. Um, I don't know. I did a little bit just because it reminded me a lot of the scene where Betty went to that bar and had anonymous bathroom sex because just a way to get back Mm -hmm. at dawn, just like Beth was, you know, getting back at Howard. Yeah. Um, and it would also play into why Pete is so obsessed with her. I mean, Pete seems to be obsessed with any woman um, mm. to an unhealthy degree. But also, this would be almost like sleeping with Don's wife. Yeah. A little bit, maybe. Yeah, it's, he's got a weird, twisted path that he's following right behind Don. Right. <laughs> it's very strange. And I've got a lot to say about that, too. So. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Don calls up Peggy to see where Megan is, and we find out that Megan lied to Peggy. Um, and then we go to the next scene. Pete and Beth are getting it on. And this was so deliberate. I mean, she walked in the front door. Left it open. And didn't even bother to close it. Yeah. I, I yeah. just felt like this was so staged. And that's, that's why it lost me. I was like, this is too, this is ham-fisted. Bacon gauntlet time. <laughs> ah. Beth donned the bacon gauntlet. She but did. Okay. But do you think it's staged because Winder did a shitty job or staged because that's exactly what Beth was doing? Uh, the first time around, I thought it was Weiner's fault. Second time around, yeah, she wanted that. She wanted Pete to come on. And in. I thought they kind of underlined it with him being like, "You're being very dramatic. Like this is this is a very soap opera thing to be doing." Yeah. So also Definitely. the first time I saw, I thought Pete initiated the kiss because I was taking I thought so too. No, I in second uh, subsequent viewings, I noticed that she's the one that initiated the kiss. Wow. I mean, he grabbed okay. her and said, I don't want you to be hysterical. Yeah. And then she was the one that, that, that kissed him. Interesting. I didn't pick up on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we get kind of an awesome scene here where Peggy pretends to be the pizza house when Don calls. <laughs> and then she ignores the second call. Hilarious. Oh, yeah. Pizza like, house. <laughs> like, who's she fooling? Plus, what the fuck accent was that? It sounded like she was trying to do a Chinese yes, accent, for but a pizza for a pizza house. <laughs> No, maybe in New York. I'm not a big New Yorker, but maybe there are. Uh, there are it's a melting especially pot in there, the yeah. '60s. It was all the rage to have Chinese-run pizza houses. Was it okay? <laughs> I was thinking you get this like outrageous Italian accent. Exactly. Yeah. Like, hey, it's a pizza house. <laughs> it's a pizza house. I uh, probably shouldn't do accents. You're so Italian. Could be a away with it. I am Italian. That's actually, you know, I've, I've said you're about every nationality and race, but that's actually legit. You it are is Italian. actually legit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm I'm actually doing an accent every other time. <laughs> like as I'm speaking now, this is all an English accent that I'm putting on. Right, or American accent. American accent. Yeah. I have a thick Italian accent. <laughs> <laughs> thick as the hair in your back. Definitely. Oh, God. So then Beth disses Pete's eyes while they're laying on the floor, and he takes off. 
this is an interesting theme here with Pete as well, because uh, she she feels very insignificant when she looks at those pictures of the Earth mm-hmm. uh, from taken from outer space. And um, my impression is that Pete does not, or Pete didn't, until she mentioned it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Because uh, we'll get to that scene later. And my God, when he goes back out to his car and tries to like straighten his hair, mm-hmm. it's like a portrait of misery. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, it was just. I mean, it takes a lot for me to feel bad for Pete here, uh, but his portrayer, uh, Vincent's portrayal there, did the trick. Uh, one other historical fact, the photo of that, the picture of the Earth, the famous blue marble picture, was first released to the public by NASA on August 23rd, 1966. Oh, so we know we're past August. Well, and again, the leaves turn. I just thought that was, um, that's why people are talking about it. It was a very yeah. recent thing. Okay. Uh, Megan then gets home and tells Don that she went out for a drink with her friends, uh, Joey and Troy. So she so far lied to Peggy. We didn't mention that, but she lied to Peggy when she's walking, saying, hey, Don, you know, another one of those old I Don. That. Oh, did you? Yeah. All right. I wasn't listening. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but Don, you know, Don had the call and got out of work that way. And now she's lying to, she pulled the reverse gambit yeah. and lied to Don about Peggy. Figured they'd never, never catch her. Right. Liar. Uh, which I thought was interesting because the follow. I've been talking a lot about the Draper walk, the Mister and Mrs. Draper walk in into the office. and here in the yeah. office, you notice that they were divided by Peggy. Hmm. They both had kind of like distract, dissatisfied faces, and Peggy walked right in between them, like she was a barrier, a physical barrier between them, which I thought was interesting cinematically. Yeah, and they have an epic comp- confrontation in the ladies' room. Uh, yeah, they do. Uh, there's, that's the next scene where Megan, they all arrive at the office and, um, Megan tells Peggy that she wants to quit uh, her job and Peggy is dissatisfied with that because from, from what I can tell, she, she has been busting her ass. Uh, It's just like we saw last episode where she said she wasn't jealous. This is as good as job gets. She's kind of jumped to the front. Peggy has been busting her ass. Megan has had it all handed to her. It's the same thing that Pete and Roger are going through right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's not happy at all when she wants to quit. She's just taking it all for granted. Right. Um, I thought it was interesting the way she per- played it. Like, she was outraged mm-hmm. um, when Megan was giving up. You yeah. know, it's like, you're giving up an ad career just because it's hard. Like... You know, that's one level of Peggy being pissed off. But then when she slowly realizes that she's not giving up, she just doesn't want it. Yeah. And, and to the fact that she tried to sabotage hard work that Peggy and the rest are doing to get fired. And then she's crying yeah, that she can't get fired. Gonna throw the then Peggy's trash. like, do you realize people are killing for this job and that I have killed for this job? Uh, and I would kill you for that. You know, it's like she's just going ballistic. And... Then Megan tries to throw the guilt trip on her, like, oh, it's easy when it's not your life. And at that point, mm-hmm. Peggy's just like, whatever, drama yeah, queen. whatever. Going to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good scene. Good scene. Good acting on both sides, I thought. Uh, next scene is Don and Megan running through the Cool Whip commercial pitch. Uh, this is a pretty cool scene. I thought they had some really good chemistry there. Yeah. Uh, I think that was the whole point of the scene, is to show that the chemistry that they did have so that later when Peggy flops, we see the, the juxtaposition. One, well, the natural talent that Megan has in uh-huh. that lines, and also makes you question because, you know, Ken says at one point, 
it's the standard bickering husband and wife, but it's different because you can tell they genuinely love each other. Yeah. Well, that's all Megan's acting. So what does that tell you about... It really calls into question a lot of things about Megan here. Yeah. Uh, and then... And their relationship. There's a little bit of judo there, Don, at the end. Uh, brief side point. Do you remember Saved by the Bell? F- yeah. Fuck yes. Did I you recognize Saved- that Mr. guy? Mr. Belding? Hell yeah, I recognize Did his Haskins, <laughs> yeah. which... I didn't recognize him until the second time I walked through. Really? So he plays the uh, head of uh, head of desserts, Phil Beatrum, and Don uh-huh. makes his jokes like, "Please tell me he's three hundred pounds," <laughs> which is kind of a funny <laughs> little moment because they're like, "Well, he's not. Uh-huh. He's he's big, but he's not as big as he'd like." Yeah. And then when we finally meet him, it's like, "Holy shit!" It's pretty big. He is. Yeah, the dude got big. Principal Belding is three hundred pounds. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. As soon as I saw him, I was like, "Oh shit!" That's Mr. Belding. Right. Uh, yeah. So let's move on. Pete calls Beth to ask her to meet him in the city, but Beth refuses and tells him not to call again. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not down with it. It's a one-time thing. She told him that, too. Before. Well, this Can't is... Can't happen again. This is a standard, and and there, this is a little bit of uh, feminine, feminine wiles bullshit Ooh. here, where you're like, just stop, don't call me, enjoy the memory, fantasize about it. Oh, I will, too. Hmm. But don't call me again. It's like, that's just enough of a hook that Pete is going to obsess over. I'm not yeah. saying it's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think that in Beth kind of wanted this outcome to happen, strangely. Yeah, this is so weird. Pete uh, Pete wants everything. He's got a lot of stuff. He's got a career that people would kill for. He's got a wife and kid. Two sets of skis. A house in the country. Two sets of skis. He's got... For his that most age, people want. he's at he's he's, he's thirty two. We find that out this episode. Oh, I didn't. I, I forgot about that. So at, or, at no, that, no, 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 no. Uh, the guy asks him. He says, "You're thirty two, right?" He, and he didn't correct them. So he, well, he he might have been talking about his age or his size. I'm not sure. Like his his waist size. No, for insurance purposes, go fuck yourself. Oh, for insurance purposes, yeah. <laughs> I thought he was like giving him a suit or something. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on here? Yeah, he's gonna grab his crotch. <laughs> What's your end team like? What are we working with here? Um, So So he's 32 years old. 32, and being a junior partner at this firm, Mm. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Oh, definitely. So, um, But he's not satisfied. He still wants more. He wants Beth. He wants, uh, I don't know what else he wants. He's a black hole. He just wants. I mean, he's defined by just wanting what he he doesn't have and never being happy with what he's got. Definitely. Uh, then Megan wakes Don up to tell him that she lied and that she wants to be an actress mm-hmm. in what I thought was a pretty awesome scene here. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the I, best of the night. Yeah, definitely. I liked, <laughs> I liked, uh, how well Don played groggy. That was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he seemed very reasonable when she approached him with that. At first he was like, oh, well, you... What do you need? What do you want to, you don't want to quit. You like, we can get another firm to take you on, whatever. I know like it's weird working around me. And then finally she tells him, just, like, I yeah. don't want to just wait till you see your work. And in he public. understands. Yeah. But does he, I think he does, man. Well, I think he does that. No. Cause like, that's one of those things where when they pan out to his face, <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. okay. Like I'll, I'll give him credit for he's doing and saying the right things here. Yeah. Right. But I also have to take a little bit away. I don't know if I take it away. I'd say he's got the awareness to try to do the right thing, but he's very conflicted and worried about it. Uh, certainly, I think he's worried. 
but I think what we saw with the blow up last week where Megan doesn't know if she's an employee or a wife, uh, I think he understands that this is what is best for them. Mm-hmm. And he's doing it based on that as well. Um, so, but, but he's definitely worried, like you said, because he kind of needs her at the job now. Right. But the other reason I think that mm, things are not okay, if I'm right about, this is my dead man's brew, oh, the boy. Mr. and Mr. Draper walk. The walk in the next morning was very unsettled. Oh, man. Uh, lots of distance yeah. between them, a lot, and not smiles, not, you know, mm-hmm. and the, some of it could be explained by nerves that she's clearly emotional about this decision and leaving and, and the announcement. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, I'm going to I'm gonna fall on the sword. This is my theory. I think this is the, how you gauge the health of Megan and Don's relationship. Oh, you're 100% right. Now, I, my, every time that he drops her off at her office, mm-hmm. like when he they part ways, he smiles, yeah. she smiles. You can tell by that smile how things are going and how how artificial it is. Or in this case, mm-hmm. the last two cases, the absence of saying. Now, my question is going forward: How are we going to get Draper walks in? Well, you probably won't. No, we might get Draper walks. That'll be the in, death in the door of their apartment, maybe. Yeah, I because they're going to establish a routine. That's what I feel like. This has been in every episode. This is something Wiener's going to have to somehow work into because it's been, you know, it's it's kind of like you know we talked on a podcast once about the movie Inception. A lot of people are debating whether the totem, you know, whether that guy's memory totem was real or not, or whether it was his wife's. And our point was. Anytime you set something that you clearly put to the viewer that, hey, this is something you can use as a touchstone to know what a character is thinking or what's real, what's not real, you can't just take that away. And Mm -hmm. I feel like if Weiner doesn't have this continuing motif, and again, this is because it's my fucking theory, (laughs) but that'd be like taking away, um, um, I forget the guy's name, Mal's husband. Because yeah. the, the wife was mad, taking away her to- his totem halfway through the movie. Yeah, and yeah. I try to figure it out, fuckers. Uh, maybe what if he came back with it at the end of the season, like he dropped it for the next four episodes. They're and in divorce court. There. Dun, dun. <laughs> no, I think we'd know how the relationship was going then. But but if he hits us with like she comes home and they smile at each other. You know, well, I'm saying they can meet each. Yeah, way. I'm saying there's lots of ways they could do this. Sure. And going forward, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm kind of jumping ahead, but. This new relationship with theirs is odd in that she's working nights, basically. He's working days. Yeah. And that is, especially when we talk... I'll just wait till, we, till Roger talks to Don yeah, to get into that. Yeah, let's wait till Roger. Uh, so during that scene we were talking about, Jones suggests that the girls take Megan out to lunch, um, which we'll see later. And then Megan tells the copywriters that she's leaving SCDP. Uh, Ginsburg is somehow fascinated about the clothes and the shoes. What? Yeah, I don't. What this is, is another going on one. with Ginsburg this episode? He's cursing. He dropped an f bomb that was muted. This is another one where I feel like I'm missing something. Just because remember yeah. when we we're saying like uh, footwear or it's footwear? Don't make that mistake. Uh-huh. And then as I had a relatively simple answer, I feel like Ginsburg has a foot fetish, doesn't he? <laughs> or is he <laughs> trying to? Is he now looking at her now that she's not? Like, instantly an employee, is he now looking at her as a consumer that he's trying to do market research on? Ah, I don't know. I mean, he's such a weirdo character. I don't know. I don't know what... And, like, Peggy's just like... he's really an alien. (laughs) But somehow, Peggy wasn't weirded out. She almost looked angry. So I feel like there was some kind of angle there that I just am not smart enough to pick up on. Maybe our listeners can tell us. If you 
have any idea what that shoe scene is about, let us know. Yeah, shoes are our Waterloo. Anytime (laughs) there's shoes or footwear involved, we just cannot analyze that crap. Uh, The other thing I noticed here is that it's storming outside, for one. Not a good sign. Never a good Mm. sign. I don't often see a storm in Mad Men. Mm -hmm. Uh, Occasionally, when they're driving home, I think, uh, there have been storms in the past. Uh, and Ginsburg is also thinking that she left because she owes him money. <laughs> right. I just don't get what's going through this guy's head. Uh, He's such a weird, uh, eccentric character. Right. But I thought, what do you think about Stan? Cause that, Ooh, yeah. I don't think that's correct. I think that, you know, between Megan realizing that she wasn't getting enough from the job and her dad reminding her that, look, you gave up your, your childhood dream. Yeah. I think that's the fulfillment. Oh, it's certainly not because she owes him 15 bucks. No, no I'm talking definitely. about Stan, what he said reality got to her. Oh, about the Heinz You pitch. work your ass off, you bite your fingernails. Yeah. For what? Heinz baked beans. Did you see the look on Peggy's face? Yes. That was not a comment that hurt, that would have hurt Megan. That's a comment that hurt Peggy. Yeah, like Peggy just realized like, oh shit, he's right. This yeah. is fucking beans, man. Not even magic beans. Just regular old beans out of a fucking can. Yep. Yeah, that was a that was a PTN look of despair. Yeah, uh, rough, harsh reality for Peggy. Um, so then Pete arrives late for the, to the office, and Harry tells him the news about Megan. Uh, Pete asks him whether he feels insignificant about the when he looks at the pictures of the Earth from space, and Harry brags about his size, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. I find Harry majestic. You find Harry majestic? No, I was just making a penis joke, actually. Uh, gotcha. Um so pictures of his cock taken from space (laughs) (laughs) you can see it from space that'd be impressive eighth wonder uh so i feel like this scene is very key to understanding pete yeah and i don't understand it okay so let's talk let's (laughs) let's get through it you and i um so pete has got there's like almost pathologic see you've got this idea of these nice guys that expect if they do certain things and they're a certain type of guy that women owe it to sleep with them yeah and they're always the guys that kind of whine about uh you know girls don't like nice guys they only like the bad guys blah 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 and it's it's a very i'd argue that pete is a bad guy he is a bad well a lot of (laughs) a lot of quote-unquote nice guys are Hmm. very misogynist in the way they view things yeah uh but this sense of entitlement basically stretches to all female kind yeah uh, and I think it dovetails nicely with his, like, uh, anytime he's in a situation where he feels like he can socially or other way pressure a woman in having sex. He preyed on Peggy mm-hmm. when she was a new secretary and he was the young executive. He preyed on that, uh, poor German, uh, babysitter, au pair, or whatever you call them. Yep. Um, uh, I feel like there's a, been at least one other time he's kind of forced himself on someone. And then Beth. And tonight. then Beth, uh, which it was kind of, he didn't really force himself, but but he he's basically advantage. saying like, yeah. you know, this is another man's wife, and she even if she used him for whatever, he's whining like she's entitled to be sexually available for him, yeah, all the time. Like, why do they get to decide what gets to happen? Why do they get to decide when we have sex? Why can't we just rape them all the time? <laughs> that's a horrifying worldview, right? Yeah, that's messed up, man. That's really messed up. And I don't know what, like, because Harry's look was kind of like, I don't know if he got that too, or he's like, they just do, man. And I don't know if that's like, he lacked the vocabulary to say, you are a psychopath, 
Yeah. But did you get a little bit of that vibe from him? Like he couldn't believe what Pete was saying? Uh, no, I didn't. Harry's a little bit of that too, isn't he? He's a little bit of a... Yeah, Harry's... I mean, certainly at Don's party, when he goes in for the yeah. cute redhead, he's just like, oh, there's a redhead for me. There's nothing... Look, I'm going to say, there's nothing wrong with being a pervert. There's nothing wrong with liking sex and uh-huh. propositioning women for sex. Well, there's something wrong with, like, that Expecting guy... Expecting it. And, like, the Howard guy on the train, describing how he's got this hot little piece, it's 24 years old, and like, he's yeah. just using her, and he's gleefully talking about using her like a fucking product. Yeah. Uh, and presumably going to throw away her or his wife or whatever as convenient. And Pete looks at that and like salivates. Oh, like, yeah. Ooh, that's what I want. Yeah. How can, you know, why aren't you afraid of being caught? Not like that's immoral and bad and et cetera, et cetera. But so how about this? How about instead of that hotel where Beth did not meet him, he's going to get an apartment in, in the city and Howard's wife is going to start meeting him there. I don't know. I mean, I don't think we're done with Howard's wife. But I don't think so either. Not the way they left it. I just, feel, I kind of almost feel like if she, I hope that she's just using and manipulating and playing with him because it's no less than what he deserves. Certainly, and knowing yeah. Pete, he'll take the wrong, complete lesson from it. Yeah, and he'll be woe is me, and why again? This woman owes it to me to have sex. Yeah, and to be available for her. There's also some interesting stuff here. Um, when you look at the next scene with Don and the and the elevator. Uh, oh, Pete, Pete here talks about how Beth is kind of just dropping these hints about things and like uh, makes it seem like in a court of law, that would look like an accident. And mm. I wonder how that ties back in with the theme of suicide and or- his life insurance policy and Don's disturbing experience in this elevator now. Well, plus we saw Don symbolically murder a woman do you think do you think pete's gonna kill this girl is this what you're getting to no 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 i was getting more to pete's gonna kill himself because pete's getting pretty low man yeah but the talk of like it's an accident and you know it it would look like an accident it would seem like an accident that's not oh so he's gonna try to engineer so he's gonna Maybe he can't mm. wait the two years. Maybe he's going to try to make so it seem like So maybe he – that's not a complete lie what he told the to Howard that he did check in and that policy at work is only for the cover to the company. So he gets his own insurance policy and wants to off himself and has to make it look like an accident? Maybe. I don't know. Bald move, Jim a, Jones. Bald prediction. It seems like that turn of phrase uh, with the accident making it seem like an accident with all the suicide theme. Mm. Uh, something is going on there. Mm. Uh, but then, yeah, we get this the next scene where Megan goes to lunch and Don nearly drops down an elevator shaft. I've uh, got some awesome shit to say about this. Say it, man. All I'll right. Hold it back. So I saw this on Reddit. Someone took a still image. Do you know what the address on the building that's visible in that window is? Uh, no. It's a giant number right above Don's head, 666. I was going to guess that. <laughs> Huh. So Don's a devil. Or that, like... Or he's going to Megan hell. Megan leaving is his personal hell, and that, mm-hmm. like, elevator opening and the yawning chasm, like, that he's... Because mm-hmm. Don doesn't trust himself. That's what that whole dream was about. Yeah. Uh, that this is going to lead into him falling back into his personal hell. I mean, that can't be really? an accident, right? That the way they framed that shot. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see it. I, I don't know exactly what you're talking about. All right. Well, I will show you the image because I'm not going to sit here and spend a minute looking for it on the no, internet. No, 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 definitely not. But um, or I might. I don't know. No, we'll see. no. <laughs> <laughs> that's lame. Uh, yeah, th- 
somehow this scene was very, very disturbing to me. I mean, just the, the look on his face and him looking over the edge there. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't put my finger on what it was, but I felt shaken by this scene. Well, I don't know. I mean, I've got a... Like, in, in, in ways that most horror movies don't shake me. Hmm. It was weird. It was... It did give me a little bit of a The Shining vibe. Just kind of unsettling mm-hmm. when I was like... Plus, yeah. But I don't know, because I've got a raging fear of heights. Mm-hmm. So when he, like, leaned forward to look over that giant <laughs> elevator shaft, it, yeah. I felt physically ill. So <laughs> that could easily explain it for me. I could, yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on. Okay. Ken and crew run the song that... Chevalier chose uh, by Don. Uh huh. And Ginsburg drops an F bomb. <laughs> Stabbing me in the heart. <laughs> Fucking heart. Yeah, they bleep it on AMC. Kind right. of sucks. Uh, Don asks him why he's cursing. Why is he cursing? Um, Ginsburg doesn't strike me as a guy who drops F bombs. No, I think he does. I think this is. So, like, you and I drop F bombs all the time. Fuck you. Yeah. So, the previous <laughs> generation's not always appreciative of that. Uh, That's true. I don't, and and I can rein it in enough if I know it's appropriate. Yeah. But uh, I just actually I was at a family get together. <laughs> Did I tell you this? You dropped an f bomb? No, just with my dad and like my sister and a couple others. And my dad slapped me in the back of the head. I'm a 35 year old <laughs> man, and he slapped me in the back of the head, and then sharply said, "Watch your mouth." Wow. And I'm like, I want to say. Fuck you, old man. Where do you think I learned to swear like this? Because uh, good one. Yep. he is very, I mean, he's like the, the kid's dad in, in the Christmas Christmas story. He can weave a rich tapestry of vulgarity when he wants to. But I'm just saying that I think the way I took it was this another, like Don being kind of shocked at casual swearing is another him being out of touch. Yeah. Yeah, I think you You right. know, like you got the George Carl, uh, fuck uh george carland yes thank you i just momentarily forgot the guy's name you got them and these other comics kind of come up and you know richard yeah. pryor in the 70s and, and they Lenny bruce was not too far back. oh he was or i think he, he was, was during 50s. that uh, i thought he was fi- late 50s okay but anyway they all famously worked blue and it was very edgy yeah so i just thought that was another generational gap moment to me sure definitely uh, what did you think about this song? Because I hated it, personally. That was shit. I thought it was terrible. It would never work in that commercial. And it didn't... I mean, I see why Don thought it sounded like the Beatles, which was another uh, thing of, like... Boy, it does sound like their very early work. A little bit, yeah. Um, But they had already moved... I mean, so he thinks that's the Beatles. The Beatles already moved on to this psychedelic rock. Yeah. yeah. And he has no... Again, it's another thing to underline that Don's out of touch, doesn't know what he's doing. Definitely. Uh, so Pete invites himself over to Howard's place for dinner unannounced, and not a lot goes on there. Did we already talk about on. that Megan, that, that Megan's not going to make the test kitchen thing? Did we make it that far? Because uh, that sets up the drama say, of the last half of the episode. Uh, if, I don't know. Isn't it because she quit? Yeah, she like, quit, but they're saying that the test kitchen's still expecting you guys to do the Mr. and Mrs. Draper act, and he's like, well, tell them they're sick, and Peggy will do it. Hmm. Oh, yeah, we might have hit that already. All right, anyway. Sure. Anyway, uh, so Peggy Peggy and Joan are talking about Megan quitting, and Peggy thinks it's her fault, uh, but and also that Megan is good at everything, which was a little weird. Uh, but Joan tells her that Don just kind of marries models, <laughs> marries these girls. So who do you think is right? Is Peggy right and that Megan's some protege that's good at everything? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, she's... I find that people who are more free spirited, typically uh, more creative, 
are usually better at things uh, than people who are not. <laughs> it's kind of just a, a way of thinking. Um, being more adventurous I feel, makes you better. Yeah, but I feel like Megan is kind of the fusion of everything that Don admires in a woman. Like, you think mm-hmm. of all the people that he's loved. Uh, a lot, Most of his mistresses have been unconventional, independent types. You think of uh, Midge from season one, the school teacher from season two. Uh, Betty had this er- uh, aristocratic, you know, Grace Kelly. Yeah, and like Joan says, she was a model and an actress yeah. before. Yeah, so. and, and then Peggy, who, you know, say what you will, whether he loves her as a sister or loves her as something more, what's mm-hmm. attractive to him about her is that passion for the work yeah. that he is also passionate about. And Megan was like the fusion of all that. Yeah. Like literally his dream girl. Yeah. And it's weird because he didn't know that going into it. And and we get a scene later, well, where she's barefoot in the kitchen cooking food. <laughs> uh, and in that scene, they kind of both say, hey, you are exactly what I was looking for. I'm I'm glad you turned out to be what I thought you'd be. Which is a weird way to go into a marriage because they went in very suddenly. Well, yeah. But it worked out and, and as far al- as we can tell and so far. Also, that's true now for Megan and it wasn't true. Yeah. And now it's not true for Dawn and it was. It's not true for Dawn? No. she. I don't think she's the ideal woman she, for him anymore. Because she quit her job? Yes. That's going to be hmm. a big problem for him. Oh, I think so. I think you're right. So I just thought it was a juxtaposition that Megan was faking it. And Don wasn't her ideal man because he was controlling and dismissive of her work and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, now he is the ideal man because he's being very accepting of all this and supportive. But he's now faking it because he's not cool with it and she's no longer the ideal woman. Yeah. Uh, so then we go back to uh, Howard and Beth's house where Pete is uh, – where Beth is shocked by Pete's presence. Uh, didn't know he was coming over. And he tells her to meet him at a hotel the next day. Um, which, by the way, speaking of entitlement, yeah, Jesus Christ, that's all new, uh, high on the stalker scale. Yeah, you invade someone's home, <laughs> yeah, with their husband there. It's insane, and then you kiss him so while un- he's in the other room. So uncomfortable, like new heights of awkwardness. This guy might murder Pete. Uh, yeah, if he doesn't kill himself, maybe. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway. I don't know. Pete is I think we've going made enough predictions that one of them's got to come through. Well, yeah, we'll just keep making them until the broken one does. clocks right twice a podcast, so. Uh, so then we get the scene where Megan's barefoot in the kitchen and Don comes home. Um I thought that was funny that he mentioned that she was barefoot and shouldn't cook barefoot. Someone said that was because you could get electrocuted? No. What the it's cuz you can get spattered with grease. Yeah. Yeah, what the hell? Electrocution? Yeah. How is that even possible? Someone that's never cooked or or is only familiar with, I don't know, microwaves? Maybe. Uh, The other thing is, so this gives us a definitive date. Uh, Mm -hmm. The President Johnson speech where they talk about his tour of Southeast Asia, that was delivered. uh, That tour was around October 18th to the 21st of 1966. Okay, you're talking about the radio in the back. And, yes, and we saw in the previous scene where Peggy goes in to get advice from Joan that Peggy had Halloween decorations on her uh, desk. Wow. So that – I'm telling you, I'm bringing my A-game, Jim. Right. So that that definitively pegs us for mid-October for this episode to be taking place in. Unless she decorates really early. <laughs> but the, 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 the President Johnson thing is what really brings it <laughs> okay, home. Okay, gotcha. 
By the way, before we move on Joan, yeah. don't you love how she's become like the official office therapist now? Yeah, she has. Especially, I love it when Don comes in earlier and he's got a troubled look on her face and she's, oh, have a seat. And he's like, oh, it's not about that. Like, no, I don't need you as a therapist. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's after her epiphany with her husband that mm. she was just like, nope. Uh, I'm a new person now, mm-hmm. and I know it all. Uh, so Peggy t- totally destroys the pitch at the Cool Whip tasting and uh, blows up on Don. Here's Mr. Belding. He walks in. Yeah. Uh, 300-pound Mr. Belding. Awesome. This scene. Well, yeah, what do you think of the awkwardness here? Horrifying. <laughs> Hard to so watch. I so bad for Don. Because she mispronounces it, or she says the wrong word. It's several uh, times. Several times. And he's like, are you sure that's what you mean? And his performance started to fall apart. Uh-huh. And it was just, they're such good actors at portraying how awkward it all was. Yeah. Like, uh, this was twice as awkward as Megan Zuba Zuba Zoo moment from earlier in the season. Mm, twice? Yes. Because there was a little bit of titillation to take off the awkwardness, yeah, but this was yeah. just straight but, up, but, full-bore, double-barrel awkward. It was in front of a lot more people, is my thing, with Megan. It was, like, in front of everyone uh, true. that he knows and he works But this with. was in front of clients, and you can see, and they can see, oh, yeah. that they're, they're losing the client, which yeah. can't help your performance. It's like bombing as a comic, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I wonder if they're going to lose the Cool Whip uh, promotional thing. Uh, maybe. The contract. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, uh, but then, yeah, Peggy blows up on Don. Well, Don uh, blows up on her. Uh, you know, he tries to pull the regular old Don crap and dress her down like she's the schoolgirl and he's the schoolmaster. And she came mm-hmm. back and said, look, you know, you're the one that didn't want to practice. You're the one that didn't take this serious. You're mad at Megan, not me. So shut up. Yeah. That is such a reversal of their relationship their power dynamic in last season. Yeah. You know, where, you know, Don dresses her down. It doesn't take any of her crap about, you know, wanting the award and the recognition and all that kind of stuff. And I was going to say, it's also, it represents how much their relationship has grown because if she had tried to pull that shit two seasons ago, mm-hmm. she'd be fired immediately on the spot. Right. Don would not take that. Right. Don would just say, get, get your stuff and leave. You're done. Right. Uh, but now he has, I think, a little more respect for her, and she's become a much bigger uh, contributor to the firm. Are, are you still so. reading Tom Lorenzo's blog? Uh, I read part of it. I didn't think they had a particularly insightful The one thing I time. thought they did was they talked about how this episode was things that aren't as they appear. Yeah. Like Cool Whip is a product that's supposed to be whipped cream, but it's not. Yeah. In fact... They're in something that's called a test kitchen, but everyone's wearing a white lab coats. Like it's clearly it's it's called a kitchen, but it's really a laboratory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Megan's not a copywriter at heart, even though she pretends to be. Pete's not a skier, but he'll take free skis because they make him feel important. Mm-hmm. Um, the singing group that Don picked out is like the Beatles, but they're not the Beatles. Yeah, and Peggy is not Megan, even though she was shoved into Megan's roles. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting that they say that was the whole theme of the episode, that things... Well, that was the problem I had with the review is that they... I, I liked that point. I liked that yeah. that veneer, that fakeness um, that they pointed out, but they didn't mention the suicide stuff at all. And with the title of the episode, I feel like that's right. an egregious over, overlooking I, of the real theme of the episode. I guess, I guess that is true. I guess that is true. But on the other hand, I didn't see that take anywhere else where the Cool Whip product yeah, no, tied in the other good themes. Point. Yeah. Uh, Definitely. Uh, so then Pete, Pete gets stood up at a hotel. 
Uh, Beth does not come to meet him, and he takes off and sad, throws a sad champagne reception. Yeah, he had the champagne all cooled, all chilled, and ready she to go. She owed it to him to show up at that damn hotel room to, and and bone him. She did. He's t- entirely justified in hurling a glass and breaking property because she he didn't. he needs to get some colored contacts, get some red eyes or something. <laughs> Forget that blue stuff. Uh, then Roger comes in to talk to Don about Megan quitting and suggested he set up a routine uh, in their their home life. I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you want to talk about Roger here? I did. But you don't um, remember what you wanted to say? No, no I do. <laughs> okay. So Roger says a lot of things interesting here. Um, you know, I, Don, again, self-aware enough to realize I need to do this for Megan because I don't want her to end up like Betty. That was a disaster. Yeah. Or her, or or Megan's mother, which I liked Roger's, like, face when he said, <laughs> mentioned Megan's mom. He's like, yep. Yeah, I, uh, I think I, I said the same thing. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I I, yeah, you, it. you don't want her to turn out like that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like he then said, "You know what? You need to go home. Let her know there's a routine. It'll keep you both out of trouble." Yeah. And then Don had this kind of troubled look on his face because as we find out, their routine is going to be no routine. Yeah, he's going to come home and she's not going to be there. Yeah, he's not going to be around when she's at work. Vice versa does not make for a very strong relationship. And he was already walking the line of temptation when he had this woman that fulfilled every need creatively, professionally, sexually, nurturing in him. And, you know, to the point where he's fantasizing about murdering women to get over it. And now he's going to be left alone in his office. He's drinking again. Yeah. Uh, So they kind of made, I thought, a very poignant, uh, pointed look to see, hey, look. Uh, Don's hitting the sauce again. Mm-hmm. So I think this is Don more than anything is accepting of Megan, but of afraid and almost resigned that this is going to no longer work since it's no longer yeah. perfect. It's not going to work. I can't, there's no way I can resist temptation. <laughs> hmm. So that was my take on that little mentoring scene. I don't know, man. I find myself hoping that that doesn't happen. Well, I like I, Megan enough now. This is I'm not saying, man. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, I hope that doesn't happen. I think a lot of the people that said that Megan's going to be one to cheat on Don are exactly right. Could be. Don's worried about himself, but Mm -hmm. she's sitting there and, you know, taking yoga with a bunch of sexy actors and acting teachers she's going to be looking up to. And we see how, like, this episode is emphasizing how out of touch Don is with everything out there because he was so focused with Megan and his job. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Megan is out there. Mm-hmm. Megan is out in the acting world, and the acting world, as we know, is not uh, a celibate one, that's for sure. Well, plus it's very liberal and kind of like, you uh-huh. know, I use the word bohemian, and we know how comfortable Don is hanging around those types of people. Not very. I mean, like, he liked Midge, but when it came time to hang around with her, you know, dope-smoking communist friends, mm-hmm. it was, whoa, <laughs> what's the square doing here, man? Yeah. So... Uh, all right. Well, let's move to the final scene where Megan buys Don the latest Beatles album. Uh, Don puts it on, and we get a musical montage of basically all the characters. Uh, Peggy and Stan are smoking a joint. In the office, uh, In no the less. office, which was pretty crazy. Uh, Pete and Beth are doing their thing with the window hearts. Uh, and Megan is acting. Mm-hmm. And then Don turns the music off. Actually, Megan's just lying in a corpse pose. I don't know what that's... Oh, I think she's got to be acting, she's right? Pre- acting, to, she's pretending to be dead. I mean, I don't. There's all kinds of weird acting techniques. I don't know, but at some point, you know, Don has enough and mm-hmm. 
picks up the needle and walks out of the conversation pit, as they called it. Um, so let's break down this. I don't think there's much to say about Peggy smoking weed. What do you think about this thing with the heart? Uh, man, I don't know. I, I can't get inside Pete's head because it's so crazy right now. I'm talking about Beth. Oh, Beth? Because go back to what you said about the panhandler. You give them some attention. They won't mm. go away. Then you, you have to stop looking at them. And at the end, after she drew the heart, she pointedly turned away and then he raised the heart. Yeah. Which I almost wonder if that's it for her. I, I don't think it's it like for she, Pete. She was like, doing that not to show him that she cared, but that she didn't. No. She was, she was erasing the heart, not It depends the on how there. brutal you think she is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I think, I don't know whether how self-destructive and how destructive of other people because we've seen don do that you mm-hmm. know the megan called it carol's appetite but don hurt a lot of people with his womanizing not oh, yeah. just betty but he Certainly. devastated people's lives mm-hmm. uh so well the reason that i thought beth at the end here was saying that there's something between them is because she had been saying that basically the entire episode like even even the stuff we said about but is she not doing being able that, to get her mind off Is she of, doing that because she genuinely can't get her mind off Peter because she's enjoying paying forward the pain that Howard is bringing to her in her life? Um, like she is the housewife I, I, that's being destroyed. You might be right about that. But, but what I'm saying is that this is not her saying there's nothing, this is over. Yeah. This is her saying there's still something here. This is going to happen again. Right. But I'm going to still play hard to get. It's not the erase. It's the drawing. I mean, she's self-aware enough to know that he's hurting someone else because she says, like, you know, look, I don't want to. I'm going to run into your wife at the store and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I also. So um, this this Beatles song is Tomorrow Never Knows. Yeah. Which is another kind of recurring Mad Men theme Uh, in that that pilot episode I was talking about. Uh, when Don is laying there with Midge and they're talking about love and he says that, you know, love is a lie invented by guys like me to sell products. Mm-hmm. He then says that I live like there's no tomorrow because there is no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Then in the end of last season, when Don falls in love with Megan and proposes to her, it's in an episode called Tomorrowland. Mm-hmm. So he found love. He, he, li- he, he doesn't believe in love and there's no tomorrow because there's no tomorrow. He fell in love with a girl named in, uh, with a girl in an episode called Tomorrowland. Then the same woman, when she's got him feeling shell-shocked, disillusioned, and lost, <laughs> what song's playing? Tomorrow, tomorrow Never, never knows. knows. Wow. You never know what's going to happen tomorrow. It never dies. <laughs> it doesn't do that either. It doesn't know and it doesn't <laughs> it die. It doesn't know it doesn't die. <laughs> Uh, it also doesn't put out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It'll put out tomorrow. Yeah. Free sex will be given tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Always tomorrow, never today. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of relevance in the lyrics of this song, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, they, they paid a record amount for the song. 25 they, or 250 200, grand. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason they paid that. Um, Just to piss I, off do, Walking Dead fans. Do you have the lyrics fans? in front of you? Because I... Yeah. <laughs> Here, that, remember that 250 was, we took from you? Yeah, I was we're just, just gonna piss it away. I was just song. joking with I think Cynthia on the Facebook because she she uh, bird dogged that information down, and I'm like, yeah, that just just that's just to fuck you to the Walking Dead guys. Like, yeah. oh yeah, all that the that that money was taken away from episode. We're just gonna blow it on a Beatles song. We're gonna pile it up in the big pile and set it on fire. Yeah, like a barn full of walkers. Yeah, but the the theme of some of these lyrics, um, I felt very much tied into Megan's story here, where. She's she's 
killing her old uh, ad career to try and do what she loves. Um, I can't remember the exact lyrics. There, no, but there are I, a bunch of them that feel that way to me. Uh, I read an article about it, and I guess it's John Lennon reading various um, stanzas out of the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Oh, wow. Which okay, comes relevant. full circle back to the uh, Rogers LSD, LSD trip, but yeah. totally unrelated characters. Which, again, hmm. you can say what you will about the wiener. Yeah. He knows I, what he's doing. I like it. I like it. Uh, I don't know. You don't have the lyrics there? No, I do not. Okay. I mean, there's a lot about it's not, you know, it's not dying because I'm dying. It's not trying. It's not trying. Yeah. Uh, it's unknowing. All that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, we can get some feedback from the listeners on that. But Go uh, wild. that's it for Explore the episode. Uh, I did like how they cut the music off when Don walked out, total mm-hmm. silence, and then brought it back. Yeah, uh, when the credit hits, when the credits hit, I like that. You're gonna pay two hundred fifty grand for something. You You're gonna might play as well. the whole damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do we have some feedback this week? We have a shitload of feedback. In fact, I'm gonna have to give the, for the first time since Breaking Bad a little public service announcement, which is I'm getting so much feedback Uh-oh. that we're gonna have to institute some things like uh, I if. if we get some similar feedback from lots of different people, which is starting to happen. Uh, it's a first in for uh, wins type of thing where we can't read all four emails covering the same point. So uh, if I you do make other uh, points, I'll probably edit those in so you can get a little bit in there. But it's it's mm-hmm. it's going to be to where um, and also I am not going to be able to continue giving as much attention to the previous episode because a lot of times yeah. I spend about half the time. But as we get more and more feedback on the current stuff, we got to give precedence to that. So I'm sure. going to try to do as good a job as I can to get as much feedback in as possible without the podcast being three hours long. So, All right. but thank you. It's a tough. Ch- it t- it takes. It's getting to take like an hour to two hours to edit all this together and yeah. consolidate it, but that's a problem I like having. So continue Certainly. making my life hell. <laughs> continue making my life like a yawning I'm gonna get a, elevator. I'm gonna get an email spam shaft. bot going. <laughs> <laughs> I'll filter that shit. Oh, programmer right. versus programmer, bring it on. <laughs> bring that on. Um, nice. Jason from the Nattercast uh, gets the lead oh, spot, yes. not because I'm pimping him so much, although I do like his his work, um, but because. He's the only one that leaves us feedback on the Facebook or on our website, and that's like the thing I hit first in the <laughs> hopper. So, okay. anyway, uh, got a lot of he says I got a lot of foreshadowing of Don and Megan's relationship. Did I mention he's from the Nattercast? Nattercastblogspot.com. Um, anyway, we got a lot of foreshadowing of Don and Megan's relationship from Megan's parents. Um, Megan's parents are both histrionic adulterers. They have loud public fights and use sex to hurt each other. But it's not too difficult to imagine that the relationship was very hot at one point. I will posit that their relationship yeah. is still probably pretty hot. Ooh la la. Just because they hate each other and have contempt doesn't mean that they don't. Like, as Megan says, this is just a cycle they keep doing. Yep. Uh, Megan's mom seems just like the type to pull the cleaning the house in my underwear to initiate angry makeup <laughs> sex routine. Yeah, she uh, does. Is that too difficult to imagine how the love between her and Emil died slowly as all the passion metastasized into barely sublimated contempt? We've also seen that Megan... Uh, is also histrionic. Don is a very controlling guy with a problem being, uh, and the problem with being a controlling guy is that you either wind up as a, uh, with a passive dish rag like Betty or a resistant adult child looking to be parented like Megan. We see in Emil the ghost of Don Draper's future. Emil was probably quite intellectual in his heyday, some 20 or 30 years prior when Marxism was considered a perfectly viable political philosophy. Now in the mid-60s, he's a relic. 
As Don's grip on the culture fails him, he'll become increasingly controlling and the conflicts with Megan will escalate. She won't do much to slow that train down because this is precisely the fight she wants to have or have again with her father. Just as Peggy used to say or used I do as a double entendre for dinner and matrimony, so did uh, too did Megan use not tonight as a double entendre. She literally meant that she didn't want to fight with her father about her career, but she used a phrase that married people use to postpone sex. This equates to conflict and sex in Megan's mind. Hmm. Pretty strong. Yeah, I can't speak to the uh, not tonight thing. Not married, so. Plus, you've never said that to your father. <laughs> not tonight, Dad. That's uh, that's weird. A <laughs> little, little, little too personal for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, All right, that's weird. We'll move on. We'll 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 not mind that that pain. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Natalie Ironman says, "So this is probably completely irrelevant, and it could just be because she's a preteen and can put blame on her younger brother." But during the episode when Don asked Sally to tell Megan and her parents what she did, she said that Henry's mom tripped over one of Bobby's toys. Just wondering if you guys skipped on this on purpose or because you don't think it's significant. I didn't notice it. I didn't notice it either. Yeah. Now that we've noticed it, do you think it's significant? I mean, kids do shit like that, right? Oh, yeah. Kids don't want to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Well, like the, the foremost priority on a kid's mind is I don't want to get in trouble. Right. So if yeah. I can blame it on the, my brother, hell yeah, I'll do that. You make kids seem like barely <laughs> civilized felons, which is kind of the truth. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll own that. Uh, anything else? Nope. Uh, moving on, Ed K. He said he thought it was mentioned that Glenn is at summer camp because we didn't remember. Yeah. Actually, we I found out by listening to a fellow podcaster in a Mad Men recap that he's at boarding school, and yeah, he okay. wears a sweatshirt of the name of the school. No, that, he doesn't. He wears a goddamn bathrobe and nothing it, else. That's at the end. It's a parka, dumbass, number yeah. one. Number two, that was the second scene, not I the first. myself. So he's wearing a sweatshirt that has the school's name, if yeah. you bother. Uh, okay. there, and that's actually, I guess, a, a school that's still running to this day. Hmm. Uh, D. Riez from San Diego says, I'm in disbelief that you guys like Ginsburg and I find him annoying and up until now pointless. I've heard you make a couple of Phantom Menace references on different casts. And on that note, I believe Ginsburg is the Jar Jar Binks of Mad Men. <laughs> he's trying too hard and not doing it for me from his outfits to the dumb look he always has on his face. I'm and not he's sure. An alien. And he's an alien. He's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. It's perfect. He is Jar Jar. He is. Uh, Misa going to read this rest of this email. I'm not sure if the actor is just doing a shitty job, but I feel it's forced like he's a caricature versus a character. There are a lot of ladies that want to stab you in the eyes right now, D, because I'm fine. A surprising what? amount of our females, female readers think of Ginsburg as some man candy. Really? Haven't you heard? I've been reading that. Yeah. they they. I don't know if it's like they think he's sexy or adorable. Okay. Either way, they 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 hmm. uh, gusta. That's shocking to me. Shocking. He does have like that kind of powerful personality that's attractive. Can drop don't a give a mean f bomb. Yeah. yeah, don't give a fuck and he'll say fuck at the drop of a hat. Yeah, I will at the drop of a Beatles record, a pseudo Beatles record. Daniel W. B. Uh, a charrette. Is designer speak for a crazy all-in-deadline crunch when you work around the clock? Oh. From the French for donkey cart that young architecture <laughs> students... I'm, I don't know. Is he is he putting me on? <laughs> donkey cart? I should I have fact-checked so. his ass. From the French for donkey <laughs> cart that young architecture students used to ride on the way to school where they continued to work feverishly on their drawings before class presentations. 
They've gone out of business, but uh, one used to buy all architectural tools of the trade from a uh, store called Charette. Following the two botched pitches to Heinz, the creative department was no doubt on Charette to come up with a better concept. Yours is the only cast I've listened to that didn't dance around the Julia Ormond Hummer. Keep it up. Honestly, what dancing is there to do? She blew him. Okay, this is disgusting about our fellow Madden pack, our fellow Madden podcasters. Yeah, and they need to grow the fuck up. This is an adult show. It's okay yeah. to say a character gave another character fellatio, or uh, a blowjob. Yeah, I'm not going to mispronounce fellatio or fellatio. <laughs> Pretty sure it's fellatio. Okay, I was yeah. going to do it right, but I'm yeah, I'm, you were. I'm like. You're so paranoid now. That I you're am. Stopping yourself from the listeners words have gotten me like all paranoid about it. So mm-hmm. anyway, I saw I listened to a couple other Mad Men podcasts, and they're all like doing this cutesy dancing around. Oh, I don't know if I'm offended. Come on, come yeah, on. It's the same thing with the Walking Dead cast. People weren't dropping f bombs on the Walking Dead cast. I'm like, come on. There are people getting their heads chewed open every single episode. Right. If right. You, if you are letting your five year old watch that. And listen to our podcast. Expect some cursing. And it does say expect some it's explicit. I mean, some of these casts are trying not to be explicit. I guess we we rock our explicit tag with pride. Yeah, but I just I, I find it so off putting. And last year, the other one uh, that annoyed me, and I decided that's because you wanted to go non explicit with Breaking Good. And yeah. I said no. We got to. And what what hardened my stance is I listened to two podcasts that talk about. Uh, Sally Draper touching herself, and they like fucking uh, took five minutes to walk around because they're so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, what the hell is wrong with us Americans that we can't talk about sex on TV? This I, woman I gave know, Roger a blowjob. He enjoyed it. It was soulless <laughs> for her. We can talk about this like adults. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah, we can, and we do. So thank you, Daniel. Yeah, the we professional podcast creator gave little little props there. Uh, Emma says, "Yeah, oh, speaking of adult, oh boy." You have correspondence from, for 60s information and input from the black community. I'd love to offer my opinion as someone who currently works as an escort. Nice. That's right. That's right. I've, so I've reached a personal milestone where it's not me emailing the escorts. The escorts are emailing me. <laughs> That's baller. That's something Roger would do. We talked about she, – she's talking about Don's submissive streak that I alluded to last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. She says Don is a person who's constantly in charge of his life. He has to control his underlings and at that – and uh, at the end of the day, he probably just wants to unwind. Mm. Most of the guys I've spent time with who wanted to be slapped, bossed around, or genuinely emasculated have been people who own or manage their own businesses or are bigwigs in whatever company they're in. I'm not a psychologist, but I think when you have so much stress in your life because of your responsibilities, wanting the roles to change would be nice. I hope this is helpful. Thank you very much, Emma. Yeah, I could see where that would be uh, relevant. True. We are racking up the correspondence. We are. Yep. What do you mean? Well, we've got like our senior black correspondent. We got our uh-huh. two senior sixties correspondents. Senior senior correspondents. And we've got <laughs> uh we've got a senior escort correspondent. Yeah. What are we missing? Yeah. Uh a senior British correspondent. Ooh. We need someone to re- can we talk about that? Lane was not in this episode yes. again. Which that's three in a row where uh, Lane has not been in it at all. I miss just because I want to hear more of your impersonation of him. <laughs> but yeah, yeah they uh, a little bit dissatisfied with the fact that they let Dolores wide open and mm-hmm. he kicked Pete's ass and then we haven't seen him since. Is he on extended holiday celebrating? Maybe. Or maybe he got fired. Maybe. I don't Pete's know. ass. I don't think so. Yeah. He's got to come back in a big way. He, hopefully next episode we'll see him. He's got just too much stuff. I mean, his money troubles. We, I, want yeah. res, I want closure, damn it. Uh, mm-hmm. James uh, 
QB from Virginia says, I think I may have solved the mystery of Snaggletooth or Little Lady Mastodon <laughs> Tusk. Oh, God. I did the math, and it would work with the story's timeline if Megan turned out to be Freddie Mercury's sister. Oh. See attached photographs. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. Uh, these photos are interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw them up here for you to look at. All right. Um, says, uh, Megan seems to be loosening Don up and maybe helping him to become more of a man of the 70s. Prediction, Freddie Mercury will become a major character in Mad Men. <laughs> Don will leave Megan, start dating Freddie, and do the second half of his life gay. Uh, Wait, so his Freddie Mercury's sister is going to start dating Freddie Mercury? This is Freddie Mercury. Oh, Jesus Christ, man. This is Megan. I got to wow. say, that's compelling visual evidence, which I know yeah. is so valuable on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good. We'll leave it at I'm that. Post, I'm going to screenshot visual, this and post it to Facebook. All right. So that's that. another reason to subscribe uh, or follow or whatever, or like. I don't yeah. know what they do with Facebook anymore. Anyway, moving on. Rachel from Cleveland says, I can't remember when, but one of your listeners had a prediction that Pete was eventually going to snap and kill a bunch of people with the gun he got in season one. I recently started rewatching previous seasons, and earlier in the same episode where Pete describes eating a deer to Peggy... He picks up a gun and first jokingly waves it at Ken, Harry, and Paul Kinsney, uh, and then stands in the doorway and slowly aims at everyone else in the office. Apparently, they were trained on gun safety by Rick and Shane yeah, from okay. The Walking Dead. <laughs> this shot is from his perspective, so the other office workers are in the gun sights as the camera pans the room. It's a lingering and startling shot, and remember at the time, the popular talk was it was foreshadowing Vietnam. But maybe your wacko listener is right. Maybe there's a scene in every season which nurtures the idea that Pete's a ticking time bomb and has a potential for violence. That's interesting. Maybe. I think I think our listeners are onto something. With Pete's, uh, Pete's going very bad directions. That Richard Whitman, you know, up in the mm-hmm. you know, shooting people with a rifle and I yeah. forgot about that scene. That's to- I remember it being very creepy. He's just sitting there like hunting the people in his office. Yeah. Uh, a note from our poet laureate, Tom, in West Virginia. He says, in honor of I'll Have Another winning the Kentucky Derby, I propose that through the course of your recap that you each take no- you each note – I'm sorry, that you take note each time Pete has took has a look of woe and take a drink. Each time he pulls a weasel move, you take two. How about when he sits in his car and looks from <laughs> – Well, that would be a drink because he looks uh, – that's a look of woe. Okay. I would say we'd get more hammered than we already do in this podcast. Probably that might so. not be a good idea. Some quick takes from Kimberly uh, has a question about this episode is why is Howard's wife would be at the same train station if they live 20 minutes apart? Uh, uh, I might be wrong, but Howard is usually on the train first. I thought he may have lived in Sanford, which would make sense. It's 20 minutes away. I'm not familiar enough about the New York train system to know, but that is no, kind of weird, right? I don't know. I mean, maybe if it's exactly between them, 10 it minute seemed, drive to a train station. It seems eh. like the, yeah, it seems like the train stations are spaced further or closer together in my experience. But maybe. then again, this is Connecticut, so it's a ways away. Yeah. Uh, any New York listeners want to chime in on how that could geographically work? That'd be cool. Uh, D says, I'm so fed up with Megan. I like her, but I don't care about her. And the show is so obsessed with her this season. I'm also annoyed that all the hmm. sneaky aids and hints about Megan being an actress turned out to her just wanting to act. Seriously. Can we just please leave this <laughs> nothing story now and find out what's going down in Ginsburg? Uh, I don't know. I think there yeah. might be more to this actress thing that pays off. Another layer to it. Yeah. Uh, you might be right. Keep the, keep the faith of wiener. <laughs> uh, Linda Schmidt says, I thought there'd been plenty of hints this season that Pete might commit suicide, but now I'm not so sure. He's definitely unraveling, but Beth told him he's a bad driver. Hmm. Then there's that chilling look down the elevator shaft, and we've seen Pete shed plenty of tears on the elevator. Check off the elevator, anyone? Mm. He's going to get crushed by the elevator. (laughs) 
like in Mission Impossible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Noel Albano said enough is already enough is enough already with Don and Megan. Predictable marital stress leads to Don and Megan being disappointed. Rinse and repeat. For me, it's becoming the endless Shane Laurie drama we saw in Walking Dead. The Pete and Crisis storyline is, on the other hand, really starting to heat up. It's the most compelling and t- continuous thread in the season. All the skeezy characterization the show has established thus far for Pete is coming to fruition. The skis that Pete awkwardly drags around are the perfect accessory for his downward slide. I have to agree a little bit with him here on Don and Megan. We focused so heavily on them since the beginning of the season for obvious reasons. I mean, they just got married. We wanted to resolve some stuff there. But I feel like there are very compelling stories with Pete, which we're seeing. But the stories we're not seeing are Roger's newfound uh, vibrance, which I really want to see what he's going to do with that, and Lane. Where the hell is Lane? He's mm-hmm. got a lot of loose ends, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, uh, on the other hand, she thinks that the wiener is going to deliver a glorious final episode akin to, excuse me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, had a sneeze break there. Uh, the wiener is going to deliver a glorious final episode akin to the massive Barnwalker orgy from the walking dead season two and all this cray cray will make sense pete and his skis and the elevator shaft can't come together soon enough gil wall says i'm in a more minority it seems but i love megan i think she and peggy are different representations of women in the work world of the 60s i'm glad to see don wasn't a dick about megan wanting to go back to acting to me the elevator shaft represented don feeling the ground dropping out from under him Mm. where does it end where does when does everything get back to normal like roger said uh 20 stories down uh, Kimberly continues to deny romantic love between Peggy and Don. They sure they have a deep relationship, but it's a platonic nature of it that makes it more profound. It seems clear that she likes and now admires both Don and Megan and is rooting for them to succeed. If it's revealed that Peggy was in love with Don, I think it would cheapen their whole relationship. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, I don't think it's ever going to be requited. I can't see Don and Peggy ever getting together unless it's like the literal last episode of the series of the series yeah i think they're basically gonna leave it like it is i mean they have this professional relationship and some respect for each other but there's nothing else there i don't know i think there's a reason that peggy's not ever been in a successful long-term relationship and it's because She's no one can match Don. up to Don. Mm, I don't know. The listeners changed my mind on that. Uh, Matthew said, The Beatles, Beatles Revolver is considered a mini, among many music critics to be their greatest album. Yes, yeah, even better good. than Sgt. Pepper and Abbey Road. In 1999, is voted the greatest album of the 20th century. Holy shit. The song they choose to feature in the episode is Tomorrow Never Knows, the last song on the album. John Lennon wrote the song while using LSD and reciting words based on the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Don turns off the song right after the lyric, the love is all and love is everywhere. It is knowing. And turned it off. Uh, also, that lyric was playing while Pete was looking at Beth. And yeah. Pete is, I would say, incapable of love. He doesn't love his kid, right? Nope. Doesn't love his wife. Doesn't love his wife. Doesn't love anyone at work or even his career. Uh, and if that's everywhere, uh, and it's all there is, then he's got nothing. Uh, Lisa Langford, uh, mentioned that she just noticed that Stan is kind of hot. Uh, I think he's a good looking guy. <laughs> Pervy, but good Stan? looking. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, sure. she's not crazy about the idea of Don getting old and Megan being his own personal fountain of youth. Anyone with enough wits about him to steal an identity while simultaneously maintaining it for a decade and building a high profile career is a chameleon of the highest order and is not going to be daunted by shifting cultural mores. But I'll watch it again to make sure. That's a very good point. Yeah. Don is formidable as hell. And 
We've seen him down and out before, and he founded his own company, and he whipped Lucky Lucky Strike's ass <laughs> in an ad war. Yeah. So, which ended up biting him in the ass, but uh, he seems to do his best work when he's down and out. Uh, uh, Arjun uh, wrote in and said, the best scene in the episode is the pointless Pete and Harry exchange. It's like they were 15 seconds short on the episode, so they just threw that comedy routine in. Uh, on the Firewall and Iceberg podcast, they... Uh, ask an interesting question. Would you feel slighted at the end of the season if no one kills themselves or ends up dead? And he wants to know what we think about that. A little bit. They've been hinting at it so heavily now that I think something has to happen. Something major has to happen. uh, I will feel slighted if all this has been misdirection unless the misdirection was to take our eyes off something the equivalent of how cool it was in the final episode for... Don and Roger to make off with the company from the Brits with Lane's help. Yeah. That was so fucking cool. If something on that order happens, he pulls off a heist, an Ocean's Eleven style heist, Mm -hmm. then they don't have to kill anybody. Other, yes, Weiner, we want blood. Yeah. So there's my answer to that. And how do you cap off a season that has been this crazy? Would you say this is the strongest? It's... That's hard for me to say, but I feel like halfway through, this is maybe the strongest Mad Men season ever. It's getting there, man. Uh, I mean... Maybe it's just because I wasn't paying this much attention to it, because maybe now when you read all... I mean, you can't overestimate getting 50 people telling you their best take (laughs) and reading three and four articles and listening to three other podcasts, which I wasn't doing before. Yeah, and watching the the show three times to pick out all the juicy details. But I feel like they really are going to another level, layering the meaning and action and character development, Mm -hmm. precisely because they had the luxury of spending such four seasons as as a relatively slow burn. Yeah. Um, Cynthia Brooks says, I remember growing up in the sixties and hearing the popular phrase, don't trust anyone over 30. Don is out of touch. He has to ask Megan about music. He has to rely on other younger people in the office like Peggy. Hell, even Roger has dropped acid. Uh, Don needs to take that stick out of his ass as a 40 year old. He's out of touch with the youth market and he's becoming more irrelevant every year. Uh, Don is acting like a grumpy old man. So she's taking the contraposition from Lisa there. Uh, Shep writes in, I love how concisely Stan gets it as far as, uh, his nickname for Megan is Megatooth. <laughs> if you're going to go with that, I go for Megalodon. This is the Latin. Uh, that's the giant great white that basically means Megatooth. Yeah. And so the combination go, with Don there. Let's yeah. go, ooh. Okay. Megalodon. Yeah. If you're going to do a nickname, let's do that. Uh, I love how he gets it as far as she's concerned, especially opposed to Ginsburg, whereas Pete is someone who just doesn't get it. Women rule the world because they have all the pussy. What's not to understand? And because <laughs> and because Pete wants it so bad. Yeah, right. That's why they get to say. Uh, Pete's obviously jealous of Howard's side action, and he's too eager to make it work with Beth and give his life some meaning. The way he boldly enters the house and just starts going at it with her—a total Don move, right? And Don being totally clueless when it comes to music seems to me like something I expect from Roger. Hmm? There's a lot of that. X character becoming Y character in the season. Yeah. Happening all over the place. When Pete, it's beginning to be like a funhouse mirror, just reflections of reflections. When Pete sets it up so he can see Beth at the house, it's got to be one of the all-time doucher moves. Finally, Beth, let's chuck her into the death by suicide pool, shall we? Between her dour looks and bitchy persona, not to mention her thoughts on the homeless and how insignificant we are based on Earth photos, sheesh. She's so instantly unlikable, it'd be great to see her and Pete blow their collective brains out. Murder-suicide, huh? (laughs) 
I don't know. I she has an enormous well of goodwill for me for uh, the Gilmore Girls, so I didn't find her unlikable. How about you? Uh, I wasn't very interested in her. I could say that if she was set her sights on someone I liked, maybe. But since I think Pete gets what he deserves, I kind of thought she's exactly the kind of almost predator that needs to put him in his place. Finally, Michael Max says, I like how they knew what the Beatles sound like, uh, as if they were replaceable by any number of any bands. Yeah. Yet then they close the show with one of the most intricate, complicated Beatles songs. Uh huh. Really like the heart in a car window too. Awesome. All for the recent hints of suicide. Tomorrow, tomorrow never knows. Cryptically proclaims it is not dying. It is not dying. And that is the last piece of feedback. All right, some good stuff there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're the outro man, aren't you? Oh God damn it! You always forget that. I want to be prompted, man. All right. It's the least well, you can do. Hit us with the outro. Uh, if you'd like to keep up with what Jim and Mad Brew and I are doing uh, with our various coverage of game of thrones Mad Men, breaking bad what else we do justified walking dead you can do mm-hmm. that at baldmove.com if you'd like to send us email uh, and get your feedback considered for editing and trashing and hastily assembling on our podcast <laughs> you can do so at madmen at baldmove.com you can also leave us feedback at facebook.com slash baldmove and jim can consider your tweets at twitter at baldmove I apologize this week for not being on Twitter, but I didn't get to watch the episode until like three hours ago. Jim so. has been a busy beaver. Our yeah, the last few days. roles have somewhat flipped. Yeah. And that, so I'll get back on it next week. Um, what else we got to say? Oh, so there's a couple ways to support us. Number one is tell a friend mm-hmm. or a family or, or a coworker that's into Mad Men about Bald Move. Number two, leave us an iTunes review if you haven't already. And we've gotten like over 70. It's a really fen- phenomenal response. And as a result... We are the number one result for Mad Men Podcast on iTunes, and we've nice. been a fixture on New Notable, like top five pretty much the last week or two. So wow. That's nice. Cool. Thanks. And it's all to you, the listeners. Yeah. Uh, there's two ways you can support us in a more uh, filthy, filthy monetarily way. Uh, uh, first is using Amazon.baldmove.com, which we, we mentioned be the at hobos. the front. So we are. We are. I am. I am panhandling. Yeah, you got to think about us for the rest of the day. I don't know what panhandle. <laughs> I don't know what panhandling means. Panhandling? Like, what is about a hobo or a bum that is a panhandle? <laughs> I don't know. Really? Maybe. Like a change? I could see if you call him a change cupper, but panhandling? <laughs> I don't yeah. get the reference. Uh, but we're going to panhandle a bit. Uh, use our Amazon.baldmove.com affiliate link. You can also find that at the top of our baldmove.com page. You click on that, or you input that into your browser's uh, URL box, and it takes you to our affiliate link. And the way that works is anything you buy on Amazon. During that session, we get a little tiny cut of uh, Amazon's profit. It doesn't add anything extra. It just goes uh, money to us. It helps pay for our bandwidth and our server expenses. Uh, The other thing you can do, we're just trying this. I honestly don't think it's going to work. Um, it's a donation-based uh, site called Flatter. Yeah. yeah and we have we, we, we put a tiny box on baldmove.com that said – it's a little box that says Flatter. And you hook uh, you, you click on that. I was against using PayPal because I think they're a bunch of scumbags. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, using an Amazon donation box. The only reason we're doing this is because several listeners wrote us in um, unhappy with Amazon's labor practices. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's another way you can support us. It's actually founded by the guys that are f- uh, founded Pirate Bay and a Pirate Bay party. <laughs> which so that people might have objections to that. That too. might not set you at ease. Yeah. Um, but it does seem to be a pretty legit and highly rated site. Uh, and you th- don't have to use PayPal or Amazon no. to put money into that account. So. No. 
And That's basically the way it works is you charge up a little micro transaction fee, like you put $5, yeah. and then you can choose to tip Gemini uh, or any other podcast that's using the, the – or any other site, period, that uses the Flatter Network. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of skeptical if anyone's going to use it, but we did want to Yeah, I had someone specifically those. request that, so All right. I put it up. Um, and if you got any other ideas, well, we're all ears. We're, again, always working on merch – uh, some some merchandise and increasing that, but it's very hard to do stuff that's unlicensed that can make you money related to TV shows and not get in trouble for it. Yeah, yeah, so, we'll talk about that at some other time when we're not running a little long. Yeah, which and I think that's it, right? That's it. Okay, uh, I think you're right. Then in that case, uh, I don't know the name of next week's episode. I'm totally unprepared uh, to do this outro, but. With that said, until next time, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. See you then. Thank you.